Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good day. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the greattalkzone.com internet radio, and I welcome you all to my show. We got a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a hiccup this morning, so we're just a little bit, um, starting just a little bit late, but nevertheless, all is good. And, um, it's my pleasure to be speaking uh, to you this morning, and I so appreciate it that you have tuned into my show. Now, I'm going to have an interesting show this morning, as always, with great conversations along with my guest, the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell, who will be joining me shortly. Now, we are going to talk about hot topics first, and then we are going to delve into the world of mental health. Because, listeners, as of late, there has been a lot of discussion about the rise of mental health in this country. So I thought who better than to have an, uh, a guest, you know, who is also an expert, and I call him the world's greatest mental health therapist, um, Russell C. Campbell, to talk about mental health, um, you know, for my listeners. So now I am doing fantastic this day, listeners, and I pray that you all are doing super duper as well. I pray that you all are safe and that should any negativity come before you, that you are able to counter the negativity with love, positiveness and strength and move on forward and upward in your lives. Okay. Now, you know, this day is, is kind of gloomy. You know, they had, um, talked about that. Oh, you know, it's going to be, um, in the 80s, it's going to be, it's going to be da, 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 da. Well, they still claim that it's going to be 84, but, you know, the sun is like, I think he's sleeping in this morning. But, you you know, you never know. But it's, it's all global warming. So now this is only April, and, you know, we have been experiencing some some very warm weather. Now, like they're dictating, I'm sorry, they're predicting that next week we're going to see 90s, which I hope not. You know, I, I just want the weather to be, you know, it could, it could stay like this, but I want to see the sun. I love the sun. And, you know, I'm not looking forward listeners to, you know, high electrical bills and, you know, and I'm just not ready for it. So, you know, I'm enjoying the cooler tempers or temperatures and all of you guys who live here in, um, in uh, Arizona can clearly understand what I'm talking about. Now, I would like to mention this very quickly. Um, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, one of my favorite groups, I heard recently that he has taken ill and he is going to be having heart surgery uh, to replace a valve. This is reported on CNN on the uh, the second of this month by Chloe Milos. And I remember that my husband and I saw the Rolling Stones perform in Oakland, California, um, a while ago and we were like three rows away and I was like beside myself 10 times to the left, 10 times to the right. And they were just absolutely fabulous. And we were preparing to see them again on this tour. And, um, you know, but unfortunately he has to have, um, uh, corrective surgery. And I'm so sorry to hear that he is ill and I wish him a speedy recovery and many, many years of health. Okay, listeners, I just want to say, can we, I just want to say this. I'm going to get on my, on my box now. Can we please stop the violence in this country? 
please. You know, there are so many of the positive things that need to be taken into account and looked at, like what's really going on in Washington, D.C. with this person sitting in a White House that slaves built, what's really happening to the migrant children who have yet to be joined back with their parents. Gun control in this country is a serious matter, listeners. Closing the, closing the southern border, are you kidding me? This closure of business, for example, will devastate our working populace to the tunes of millions of people out of work. I mean, the commerce would be just devastated, you know. Um, and this is all done just to satisfy the hate, you know, for Mexico. And our infrastructure continues to fall apart. Our citizens in this country need health care. Homelessness is off the chart. Our air quality is bad. Cancer and other diseases continue to rear its ugly head. Our veterans need to be taken care of. Our entire educational system needs serious revamping. Paying teachers with so low wages as it sucks. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. All lives are precious. And we need to stop shooting, raping, and being just outright mean and hateful to one another. I want you all to know that there is a meaning, a fantastic purpose for all your lives. God locked and loaded all of us with these meanings and purposes, and none of them are from hate because God is love. If people are looking for a place to put their energy, look to assisting with one of the causes I just named, listeners, and there are plenty more out there. And hey, how about this? How about just helping yourself to develop those positive dreams that were put on hold? How about just being a more productive person for your employer? How about greeting someone with hello and have a great day? How about being a more loving, supportive wife or husband to your spouse? You know, there is a saying out there that goes like this, an idle mind is the playground for the devil. Okay, now let's move on. Did any of you guys out there see the NAACP Image Awards that aired last Saturday on TV One? They were celebrating their 50 years. I and my husband recorded the program and we sat down and looked at it on Sunday evening. And I'm telling you that it was a fantastic show. And, um, you know, they had so many good points in their speeches, you know, on awards like the one from Maxine Waters. If you did not see it, you could, you know, you see it by checking your um, listings, because if, for example, if you're on uh, uh, Cox, Cox um, Communications, if you're a Cox subscriber, you know, you can probably see it on demand. And Anthony Anderson, again, was a host and he did a fabulous job. Anyway, back to Maxine Waters. She looked great and she received the chairman's award. And you can pull up her speech on YouTube. It was it was fabulous. She talked about a lot of the things that they are doing right now in Congress that the media just does not, you know, post. They don't you know, they don't they don't have anything to you know to say about it. They just rather do. And talk about uh, too many of the crazy things that's, um, you know, that that's going on in the in, in the White House that is meaningless, that is being a cover for things that is coming, um, you know, his way. OK, now let's get on to our dinner table conversation. And the title of this is the importance of keeping your credit report up to date. Now, listeners, many individuals are not privy to the whole credit reporting agency. And 
what their purposes and, you know, are and, and many of you know it and many of you don't. The thing is to be educated about the credit reporting agencies and how to deal with them and the importance of keeping your credit file up to date and free from erroneous information. Now, the three main credit bureaus are Equifax, Experion, and TransUnion. And the crazy thing about these bureaus, listeners, or at least one of them are, is that you should decide, you know, you should decide to, to pull your credit information from these bureaus. You should probably do it a couple of times a year, at least. You know, one of the information on them, you know, all these credit bureaus are different. You know, they don't have the same information. The scores are different. And so this is another reason that you need to keep privy of what is on your report. A lot of times there can be, you know, erroneous information, as I said before, that's not there and or old information put back on your report. You see, one thing to realize is that these credit bureaus are in the business to buy and sell your information. Their job is not to make sure that your information is correct and up to date. That's your job. It is totally up to you. Now, why is this important to keep track of your information on these credit bureaus? Because they literally can stop you from getting the best rate for purchasing a home or a car or, or acquiring a loan for some, for some purpose or not able to acquire any of these things at all because of your credit score should it be too low. Now, I feel that this is a conversation that parent, parents or guardians should have with their children as they are growing up. They may have a part-time job, for example, while attending school, which is a good time to tell them about, you know, saving a portion of what they make. It don't have to be a large amount, particularly right now, you know, as they're just now starting out. You know, it could be $5 or it could be $10, you know, every time they get paid. And this is good to you know, to, you know, to get them um, to know that, you know, you should have something put aside um, in case, you know, something should happen, you know, if you can. It doesn't have to be a very large amount. It could be a, a few hundred dollars, you know, even if you are working full time and and uh, have a family, even if it's a few hundred dollars rather. So I think that's a good practice, you know, to, to start setting up if you haven't already as an adult. And, and if you have to please teach this to your children. Also, some questions that I have for you during this conversation at the dinner table with your spouse or your, your children are the following. Ask your teenage children, have they ever heard of the three credit reporting agencies? If not, name them. Tell them what they are and what their purposes are. And tell them the importance of keeping track regarding the information that is on these reports. Now discuss this with your spouse. When is the last time the credit reports were pulled for review? Or if you do not have a spouse, ask yourself this question. When was the last time that I, that I actually pulled, you know, my credit report to see, you know, what the heck is on there, you know? And then talk to your children about how to get the reports. For example, you can do it online and or via mail to your home. I prefer not to do it online. Once they arrive, show them how to examine the reports for erroneous information and how to dispute the information on the report for updating purposes. Now, a lot of uh, parents um, and grandparents, and th- you know, and guardians are not comfortable with showing their children, you know, just how much they make a year and all of that. Um, but you can redact information. But, 
you know, that that shows that if you want. But it, but the purpose is to show them what the forms look like and um, how they can and how they can um, justify and rectify information. Now, should you not know how you can always hire someone to assist you with this? For example, Steve Harvey recently um, on his show, he works with an organization named Ashton Henry. And you can go to AshtonHenryFinancial.com for more information or your accountant or your CPA or knowledgeable individual who can steer you in the right direction. Now, I feel, listeners, that this is a very important topic to discuss with your children or your spouses simply because a lot of material acquirements in our life depends on having good credit and also some employers even review your credit history as well, making it a dependency on should they hire you or not. Okay. Now, All right. I want to bring on my guest right now. He is the world's best mental health therapist, and his name is Reginald C. Campbell, and he is a frequent guest on my show. Thank you for being here, Reginald. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. And uh, I think Mr. Sun is sleeping in, just looking out the window. And it's different from what those... Weather report said for today, they said it's going to be sunny, but uh, Mr. Sun said, ah, I'm sleeping in today. I'll see you guys another time. Oh. Yeah, he says, he, yeah, he says he's tired. You know, according to the, um, you know, the, the, the predictions, the weather predictions that he's supposed to return in the late afternoon, like three o'clock or something, right around the time when he's getting ready to settle in and go and shine on the other parts of the world. So. You know, it's all it's all good. As long as I see him um, a bit, you know, then I feel I feel a whole lot better when the sun is shining. Okay, you know what, um, Reginald? One thing I did not mention that I as I was talking about the NAACP is that Tom Joyner says he is going to retire at the end of the year. I don't know if you know that Mm -hmm. or my listeners know that who you know people who know of Tom Joyner or fans of Tom Joyner. Um, but of course he will continue to work in the organizations that he promote, you know, for humanitarian purposes that he does anyway along, uh, anyway aside from being on the radio, you know, so I just wish him, I just wish him the best because I really, I really like, uh, Tom Jordan. He's a good guy, you know. Yeah, I can, uh, it's like, I, I know when Tom Joyner started, um, around the time, well, this, he didn't start at this time, but he was getting this big break. Uh, he first worked for uh, WVON. This was like in 1975. Um, and then he went to work for WJPC. WJPC was owned by Johnson Publishing Company. That's what the JPC stood for. And then mm-hmm. he went to work for uh, WGCI, uh, which was at the time was owned by WGCI and WVON. And mm-hmm. at that time, he was known as the Fly Jock. So he was fly. Yep. He 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 lived and worked in, in in Dallas as well. So he would do his morning drive show in Dallas, fly to Chicago to do his show at WJPC in Chicago, and then fly back home. So yeah, he even had <laughs> yeah he even had a kind of a jingle about it, you know, about being the being the fly job, you know. So mm-hmm. it's just that you know I you know I just like to you know you know give a shout out to him and. Um, you know, let them know that I, you know, that I appreciated growing up with them and 
things of that nature, and I wish him the best. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, okay. and that was just quickly. That was the days before syndication and all of that. So now mm-hmm. you don't have to do that. You know, you can mm-hmm. be wherever syndicated and go from there. So and go from there. Absolutely. About technology. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now. Okay, Alfie, what's this all about shutting down the southern border, Reginald? Now, the person that's temporarily sitting in the White House has threatened to close the border with Mexico as soon as this week due to the recent surge in migrants that that they're saying coming to the United States from Central America, although he has mused about the possibility of closing down the border for months, and this is being reported, um, you know, he said on Tuesday that um, he has more focused on security concerns than the impact closing the border would have on the U.S. economy. OK, did you listeners hear that? That he is more focused on security concerns than the impact closing the border would have on the U.S. economy. Now, this report, as I said, is being uh, it's reported by Damian Paletta and Josh Dawsey, who are with the Washington Post on the second of this month. Now, Reginald, I'm going to talk about this as nicely as possible. How many times have you and I said that, you know, all of those people out there wearing those mega hats as they attend those hateful and racist gatherings he has in about four states, he do not care about them. An article in VanityFair.com titled Trump's Border Closure Plan Has One Tiny Flare Economic Devastation by Best Levin, April 1st, 2019, and it states in part the following. Following a series of tweets from the president demanding that Mexico stop the many thousands of people trying to get into the USA, all he'll have no choice but to close the border and keep it closed for a long time. White House officials down, doubled down on Sunday, insisting Trump is serious about his tremendously bad idea. Speaking on ABC News this week, acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney said it would take something dramatic, Reginald, to convince Trump to abandon his plans. While counselor to the president, wonderful Kellyanne Conway, told Fox News Sunday that the threat certainly isn't a bluff. Now, according to Mulvaney, unless Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador do more to prevent their citizens from entering Mexico and Mexico tighten its southern border, the administration will have no choice, Reginald, but to shut down ports of entry to free up border patrol agents to go out and patrol in the desert. But we don't have any wall. Now, according to immigration and trade experts who spoke to the Washington Post, not only would this uniquely Trumpian plan be unlikely to stand the influx of of asylum seekers, but it would also create an acute economic crisis. Now, you know, another thing that the media is not doing, Reginald, is saying over and over and over again what devastation this could bring to the country and the world. Stop talking about the lack of avocados. It's silly. It's ridiculous. That's just, you know, that's just one thing. So you know what I'm saying, Reginald? Tell the people exactly what is happening, that millions of people, and, and you know, one article says that as many as 5 million plus 
you know, will lose their jobs. The commerce will be shut down so badly. Businesses will be affected as well. So your comments, Reginald? Well, you know, I was talking to a co-worker uh, a couple of days ago, Brother Davis. Uh, shout out to him if he's listening. Uh, about these people with these mega hats or, you know, he doesn't, Trump doesn't give a, he doesn't give a damn about you. You know, I mean, this, this is, he doesn't give a damn about you. That's first because mm-hmm. you're not rich. You don't have money. So he doesn't give a damn about you. The second thing, it would be as far as closing the border, that would be such an economic disaster. I was listening to Joe Madison's show the other day and a gentleman called who's a long haul truck driver. And he was speaking of how that will affect his company and that and how, you know, as far as bringing goods and services, say, for instance, he's driving a truck. He, you know, he has a load and, you know, he's not able to get that load to Mexico. Okay. So he, he would have to drop the load. A Mexican truck driver would pick up that load, but then he would be, his company would be unable to get their trailer back with goods and services to come back across the border. Mm-hmm. So that company is, would go under. They would lose money because, you know, a lot of times they lease those trailers, you know, yeah. things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, so, so, so that's just one thing. Yes. And just yeah. all of this bluffing, you know, he always wants to close something down. I will do something. I mean, it's, I mean, this, this is like, uh, schoolyard economics, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's what he goes on schoolyard economics and, and bullying. And it just shows that he doesn't have a clue. Him and his administration, they don't have a clue on what to do. This economy is still running because of Barack Obama, of what he mm-hmm. did and what he instilled in there. That's why this economy is still running like the way it is. But eventually, mm-hmm. it's going to turn. Mm-hmm. It, it's going because, to turn. Yeah, there's, General there's still, Motors is still up and running because of Barack Obama. Obama, exactly. Now the the thing the thing is is that you know um you know we've talked about this before and I definitely uh I, I mentioned this so many times to my uh, listeners that this is still Barack Obama's playbook. Talking about a playbook and these individuals that that have these organizations know that what they've been doing is good for them and that n- never mind what what um um uh Trump is doing that uh they're going to continue doing what they know is good and feasible for them to stay afloat and make money and that they can continue to have um you know um uh, their their company they can continue to have um uh you know uh pay pay their employees and and things like that I mean this is it's just really really ridiculous how he consistently you know, wants to be in the and and you're talking about administration. Well, he only got about four or five people, you know, that's in there. And then get this Reginald, how he was tooting that turtle talking about uh, he's the boss there in the Senate. Uh, you know, this, 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 uh, he ain't he ain't shit in the damn Senate. His ass is up for re-election next year. Okay, let's just remember that that turtle acts like he's going to be in there from now until Jesus comes back. But he's not him and none of them. 
Oh, and we're not going to do anything about health care until we regain the, the, you know, the, the, um, the, 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 the House and the Senate. That's not going to happen because there's so many people out there that are, that are, that are hurting already just from health care. And by the way, I'm going to start on, on my being, making sure that you're registered for vote, uh, campaign again. Okay. <clears throat> so it starts right now. Make sure that you are registered for voting. Make sure the information you have is correct, the information that they have is correct, because they surely are behind your backs trying to do everything. See, this is why they keep up all of this noise and stuff, Reginald. They keep up, they keep saying all of this crap so that you don't know that he's doing his best right now to put in a 123 more judges and he's trying to get them to be where they would be in there forever. You know, all of this kind of crap. You know, he's also trying to add more um, Republicans, uh, 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 Supreme Court judges to the Supreme Court. See, these are the stupid things. This is what the devil does. He causes a bunch of confusion. And so this way, you don't know really what he's doing, how he's going to really entrap your soul. Okay, it's the same thing. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Well, you know, let's look at it this way. Here's a here's a dude who went bankrupt five times, had all kind of unsuccessful business failures. A few years ago was doing the apprentice, but he's the one who you think is qualified to appoint Supreme Court justices or run the economy. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's, it's and a he's, joke. And it's a joke. You know, and he's just, just go, okay. Your, go, go ahead. Just just wrap your head around that. That he and here's, qualified. This qualified is a person. To, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it, you know, and, and acting acting chief of staff. Okay, you still have an acting chief of staff. You know. So, so all of this is just oh, okay. Well, let me touch on healthcare again. The Republicans did everything they could for the eight years that the Honorable President Barack Obama was in office. They had eight years to come up with an alternative. Let's make that ten years. Cause it's been two years that the Honorable President Barack Obama's been up, been out of office, and you still don't have an alternative. This boy. Trump had the Senate and the House for two years, and you still get, you know, so this is a bunch of BS. He has mm-hmm. no, uh, the, the Republicans have no, like the gentleman was saying the other day, the Republicans have two things, and they've been running on this since 1980, since Ronald Reagan. Tax cuts for the, the rich. rich. And 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 tax cuts for the rich. <laughs> that's and what that's they it. Got. And that's it. That's because it. that that's it. And here's my here's my um uh, my thing, uh, Reginald. It takes uh, uh you know a lot of intelligence to compose a new health care plan. Okay, so there you go, right there. It takes a lot of intelligence to compose a new healthcare plan, and he does not have the intelligence and his two people that's in there. I mean, there's so many things wrong that he's got going on as he has, you know, he got his 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 daughter and 
and his daughter in there, if you get my drift, um, um, in, in the White House and, uh, they're supposed to be in the, but how are they going to advise anybody? Okay. The other thing is that every time, you know, you or someone says, you know, uh, that, that, that Trump has money, Trump doesn't have shit. He ain't, he ain't got nothing and he knows it. I'm glad that the House's order is as uh, already requested, not order, requested his six years of um, taxes. And they also, the Judiciary Committee has also told that, that silly thing called Barr um, that he hired to, to uh, think that he can do whatever it is that he wants to do, that they want the non-redacted version of what Mueller has said. Now, there is a couple of reports that came out yesterday. I do not have that information sitting in front of me. But if you guys would like to do some research, that there was some uh, that what that was in Mueller's report was very, very harmful uh, to uh, to this uh, thing sitting in the White House that slaves built, you know. And and as I said, you know. He's a dark minded individual. And and there was a report that. By the way, we're going to be talking about mental health here um, in, a, in a few moments. And they said that I don't know who all of these mental health experts were, but they're just saying just from their visual um, uh, review of looking at him that he has, you know, he has, a, you know, he he what how did they say it, uh, that he that he is, is showing signs of possible dementia and all of that. Well, this is the my husband and I was discussing that this 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 morning. So I said, so my response to my husband is, it was, went something like this. When you are dark minded, there is no thrive in your body. Things don't grow in the dark. That's all I'm going to say about that. You know? Okay. I want to now mention something very, very quickly. And then I want to get into, um, mental health. That, uh, the prosecutors, Reginald, have moved to clear 54,000 marijuana convictions in California. Now, this was reported by, uh, Aileen Tech Median on April 1st. And it says in part that prosecutors in Los Angeles, San Joaquin counties have announced plans to automatically clear about 54,000 marijuana related convictions, part of a growing movement to offer a clean slate for California's hamstrung by their past now that pot is legal. The effort is a part of a partnership with Code for America, a nonprofit that developed an algorithm to quickly analyze county data to find out which cases are eligible to be cleared on the Proposition 64. Now, a 2016 study found original that African Americans, as usual, make up about 6% of California's population. They account for almost a quarter of those serving jail time exclusively for marijuana offenses. Now, what do you think about that, Reginald? Do you think that this is, um, you know, since they have legalized marijuana, then what's the purpose of people, you know, being in jail that's costing us $83,000 per person per year? Well, you know, the jail system is to make money. So the thing is to incarcerate as many people as you can uh, because it's a money maker. It's a money mm-hmm. maker for the people who who prepare the food. You know, you can go on a uh, line and buy stock in the company, on and on. Uh, and it should, something should be done because it makes no sense that someone who sells $10 worth of marijuana 
is getting more time than Paul Manafort for, you know, being a treasonous son of a bitch. Exactly. So it, it, it needs to be done, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and of course there's a disproportionate amount of, of, of black men and uh, other men of color, colored Latino men who are, who are, who are serving time. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's always the sad case, you know, so, mm-hmm. So something needs to be done. And now, yeah, with the legalization of, of marijuana in that state, you can't mm-hmm. just keep on with the same old, same old. So, mm-hmm. so it's about time. It's about time that something has, has done something and, and is, changed with that. Yeah. Now, it also says that Proposition 64 legalized, among other things, the possession and purchase of up to an ounce of marijuana and allow people to grow up to six plants for personal use. However, under this measure, Reginald, people convicted of marijuana possession can petition to have those convictions expunged if they don't pose a risk to public safety. People also can petition to have some crimes reduced from a felony to a misdemeanor including possession of more than an ounce of marijuana by a person who is 18 years or older. And uh, they're saying that nearly 6% of voters in Los Angeles County supported the measure. So I I say that that's that's a good thing. You know, Mm -hmm. all of these people in jail. And and as you're saying, uh, Trump is is, um, not in jail. He's not in jail for, you know, having his family, you know, there. He how many violations do he have? Okay, now, listeners, let's get into talking about mental health, all right? Now, before we get started talking about mental health, Reginald, would you mind giving our listeners a brief summation? You know, because I only have an hour show. (laughs) Give them a brief summation of your education and experience in the field of mental health. Uh, well, I have a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Um, I am trained in cognitive trauma therapy. Uh, I have worked experience with um, substance abuse uh, with adolescents and adults. Uh, I have uh, approximately 25 years of experience working in behavior services. Um, I worked as a psychiatric uh, social worker uh, back in the day, 20 years uh, ago. Uh, I, I uh, held positions in management uh, for uh, uh, agencies and, and companies that uh, uh, have behavioral health services for adolescents and, and adults. And um, uh, it, it enjoy what I do immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's one of the things that it's, it's pleasing to, you know, see a person, especially the adolescents that I work with, uh, you know, when they progress, uh, if they're dealing with, uh, you know, a mental health issue. I've uh, worked with, with uh, adults and, and adolescents who, you know, suffer from uh, uh, intensive uh, mental uh, disabilities as well. So, um, so that's, that's a, a brief summation of uh, my experience in education. Well, that is absolutely fabulous. Okay. So that's a, that's a good advertisement there, you know. So now, Reginald, because of so much talk about mental health, um, for my listeners, you know, um, you know, so, you know, you get a lot of people, you know, they, the mental health, you know, oh, this person is, um, 
bipolar. This person has anxiety. This person's depression, you know, so forth. So a lot of these conversations, Reginald, come from people who absolutely have no clinician training as a mental health therapist, such as yourself or psychologists such as Dr. Phil, for example, to make medical assertions about an individual and to, and you know, and to further sum up, Reginald, you know, that, okay, that's what it is, you know. So what do you think is or are the drivers that relate to the reason mental health is being talked about a lot lately? Well, because mental health has been on the back burner of, uh, of, of, of physical health. And, you know, the, your, your physical health and your mental health are intertwined. Uh, if you're having issues with your uh, mental health, it can affect your physical health. If you're having mm-hmm. issues with your physical health, it can affect your mental health. So they're, mm-hmm. so they're combined. Uh, mm-hmm. Just having, uh, you know, a lot of physicians are, are discovering now and understanding now that uh, a person's mental uh, health can affect mm-hmm. how fast they can uh, progress from a physical ailment or a, or a physical operation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're so, both of those are so intertwined now. So, so that's why I think they're getting more mental health and, and it's about time that mental mm-hmm. health is getting, uh, you know, more, more talked about. And then it was always, you know, something on the back burner. You don't, you don't talk about that. You know, I mean, this, let's not, mm-hmm. not talk about that. How people are open. I've always been open to talk about their, their physical health. They're like, Oh, I've got a, I've, I've got a torn cartridge in my knee or whatever, but if someone is experiencing uh, uh, an issue, say, with anxiety or depression, um, mm-hmm. or, or they have a relative who, who's schizophrenic, oh, shh, let's, let's, let's not talk about that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're, they're so intertwined right now. Yeah, and um, I have talked about on my show um, uh, too, as well about uh, people who are prayerful, how um, the doctors are noticing as well that people who are prayerful heal more than those who are not. That was that was something that was brought up. And um, if any, any of you out there would like to research it, um, you know, feel free. OK, Rachel Knight. So what are some of the warning signs of an issue or issues regarding the possibility that an individual is experiencing mental depletion. Um, well, that's 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 a really broad question when you say mental mental depletion. So you know, mm-hmm. is it you know, are you talking about uh, forms of um, uh, 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 Alzheimer's, you know, things like that, or mm-hmm. uh, is it a person who's dealing with depression? Or, or anxiety. Uh, uh, if 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 you're seeing, for instance, if you're seeing your uh, your adolescent, your teenage kids, or your husband, or your wife, or your you know wh- whoever friend, um, if they're uh, feeling down or have the blues for more than five or six days, um, you know that that can be a, a concern. It could be a concern about. Uh, you know, concerned about depression, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So, uh, so that's why I think it's important to, uh, even for yourself to gauge your, to gauge your mood. Um, 
you know, how, how were you feeling uh, mentally and, and, and physically? Uh, one of the questions that we sometimes ask people, uh, and, and I noticed that even the physicians are doing this now. When I went uh, to the doctor last week, one of the questions the nurse asked me was, uh, have you been feeling down in the past seven days? And, 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 I, and I chuckled as she said, what are you laughing about? I said, because I'm, I'm a therapist. And that's one of the questions that, that I ask people if we're doing an assessment. And I see now that you guys, you know, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, how now, mm-hmm. you know, the physical uh, health and the mental health are, are, are really inter- intertwined. So just by asking that question and having that quick assessment of asking those five or six questions that the nurse asked me can give the physician somewhat of an insight of the physical uh, of the mental issue that could could be affected the physical issue and vice versa. Mhm. Yeah, and you know and, and well this that's what I meant when I when I uh was asking the question that if you're noticing that even of yourself or you know your loved one or what um if their you know if their mood has changed and and things of that nature you know a lot of people um, years ago would just chalk it up to say, oh, they're just moody, you know, or they're, they're just, you know, they're just mean and spiteful or whatever the, the description was. When in a lot of times that they were actually maybe struggling or developing some type of, um, issue that needed, uh, to be addressed. But, you know, they, um, you know, a lot of the people were, you know, loving and everything, but they were ignorant to the fact of, you know, the, you know, the things that's going on in the mental health arena, like, you know, that's going on now. So now, Reginald, according to Talkspace.com by Jessica Dubois-Moss, this is on 10-25-2018. I thought this was a really good um, um, uh, piece that I, I came across as I was researching, and it lists the five most common mental illnesses. Now, they said that depression. So now you we hear a lot about depression, and then um, they also uh, said that anxiety is one. They also said bipolar affective disorder is one, schizophrenia and other psychosis and dementia. Now, what I would like to do for my um, listeners is for, you know, to talk about a couple of the most common mental illnesses that I that um, I just named from the list. And I, I think that what I would like for you to talk about um, is, um, you know, depression and anxiety. And, um, you know, because those are two seem, seemingly two of the most common things that that uh, people are, are seeing aloud, spitting it out their mouth on the TV and, and things like that, you know. So let's talk a, a little bit about depression. It says here that it impacts um estimated 300 million people and is the most common mental disorder and generally affects women more than than often than men. It is also characterized by loss of interest or pleasure, general sadness, feelings of guilt or low self-worthiness, difficulty falling asleep, eating pattern changes, exhaustion and a lack of concentration. Do you agree with that? Uh, Yes, I agree with that. Okay, and I I'm not so sure if I agree with uh, women being affected more than than men, 
Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm sure, uh, people who have done this study, they, they, uh, you know, done their due diligence, uh, you know, as far as research and things like that. Uh, but I see the same. I see, uh, depression and anxiety affecting, and, and especially with, with adolescents. Um, mm-hmm. I see it, it's affecting adolescents as much, or females as much as males. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, um, like, why did they say actually depression um, was the highest on the list with 300 million uh, people that it says that it is estimated to, to affect? It also says that depression doesn't just arise as a result of too much or too few brain chemicals, specifically serotonin. And it is often depicted. Rather, several forces such as genetic life events, medical problems and medications can bring the illness on. Um, oh, so what are your comments about that? Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, usually, if a person is uh, dealing with depression, they have some form of anxiety or anxiety, they have some form of depression. If they're dealing mm-hmm. with depression more than uh, usually they will deal with depression more so than anxiety or anxiety more so than depression. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's the same brain chemical uh, that. Uh, uh, causes anxiety and, and depression, so that's why a lot of the medication is used for for both, because it's the same brain chemical that uh, you know uh, causes both both of those. Um, and also, just with things that are happening or that can happen in your personal life, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, let's throw in substance use also, uh, because people are are self medicating. Um, a lot of teenagers are, are, are self-medicating because of, of family issues. And, and that's another thing, you know, you've got to bring in what's happening with, with the families uh, and or lack of family structure that's causing mm-hmm. a lot of depression and anxiety in adolescents. Uh, and then substance abuse, alcoholism, and things like that. So, so, so all of these are so intertwined, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, and, and just even hearing all of the craziness that's going on in the in, in Washington, D.C., uh, mm-hmm. can cause depression and anxiety because it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm hearing this every day. Um, you know, this this is just ridiculous. Every day there's something going on with this dude that's, you know. So, so that in itself can cause anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, economics, your economic status, you know, <clears throat> do I have enough money to pay the bills? Do I have enough money to pay the kids' tuition? Uh, you know, is, is, is Johnny doing well in school? Well, now Johnny's now, he's, he's, uh, 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 palling around with friends who, 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 who are using drugs, you know. So that can mm-hmm. cause depression and anxiety in, in a parent who's who's dealing with that. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know, these things are so intertwined. You can't just say, okay, this is one cause or this one is thing. one cause. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, we have to look at we have to look at the whole piece. We have to look at the whole puzzle. And a lot of times, it's putting that puzzle together. When when I when I especially a new person that I'm working with. You know, I'm putting that puzzle together. How's the family life? How mm-hmm. how's your health? How's your relationships? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. are, are are drugs involved? 
Uh, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of adolescents would say, well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't use drugs. Okay. Uh, but then as you further talk in conversation with them, it's like, well, I use marijuana or, or you know what? I, I, I was uh, hospitalized for, for, for Xanax and, and alcohol, you know, mm-hmm. so, so again, it's, it's putting that puzzle together and seeing, okay, now these are some of the causes of this anxiety and depression. And the same thing with, with, with adults. Oh, well, I went through a divorce. Oh, do you drink much? Oh, no, I don't, I don't drink much. I haven't, uh, had a, had a drink in seven days, but, but he's putting down, uh, a case of beer over, over the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. so, so he's, mm-hmm. he's an alcoholic, but he's, but he's a functioning alcoholic. So he's, he's self-medicating for, for the depression. So again, mm-hmm. it's, it's all of these pieces that mm-hmm. you have to look at all of the um, things that can affect and are affecting people's lives. So, so, mm-hmm. so I, I, I get a little perturbed when I hear some studies, not just study you're talking about in particular, but some studies who, who just talk about just this one thing, but they're yeah. not looking at all of the other variables the whole, yeah. that, that, that can affect our life, you know? Yeah. And that's why I wanted, that's why I, I said what I said, because you hear so much of it, you know, even sometimes, you know, in passing, uh, people where, I don't know, you could be in the grocery store or whatever. Now, oh, well, you know, well, you know, they're, you know, they, they're depressed. Okay. But why, you know, then, and, you know, the doctor just gave, you know, just gave them a bunch of pills and, 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 and blah, 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 you know, so I'm like, you know. But how did how did you know? I mean, if, if that's all they did, I mean, that's really bad. Um, and then even in the anxiety, as I'm looking um, here at my notes, it said, you know, just what you said, that it's and it is not uncommon for a person experiencing depression to also have anxiety and vice versa. A disorder that affects 40 million adults in the U.S. or 18.1 percent of the population every year. And it says anxiety disorders develop a multitude of factors, including genetic brain chemistry and life events. And while it is a highly treatable illness, only 36.9% of those who live with anxiety actually seek out treatment and ultimately assess it. Psychotherapy and medication play an important role in helping to control and manage the symptoms of anxiety. Now, let me ask you, um, Reginald, um, are there varying degrees of these mental disorders, such as let's talk about this since I'm talking about anxiety. Let's talk about about anxiety. Are there different degrees of anxiety? Like, you know, some is worse than others, because I have heard people say, you know, well, I've had anxiety, but, um, you know, I uh, deal with it through medication. And then someone else says, well, I've had anxiety, but, um, you know, I talk to myself a lot and that, that helps me tremendously to some people saying, Oh, I, I got it so bad. I can't, you know, look through my rear view mirror. And, um, you know, it just, you know, when I'm driving, it just goes on and, and on and on to some people say, well, exercise is what really does it for me. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anxiety, as I'm uh, sitting here looking in the DSM five of DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Um, uh-huh. It's, it's uh, the Bible for um, for clinicians, and you know there, there are all kind of different uh, uh, anxiety disorders. Uh, you know uh, phobias. You know there's 
specific uh, uh, phobias, uh, panic attacks, uh, uh, bipolar. Um, so, so it's a myriad. It's, it's a it's a it's a number of, of things. Uh, but, but it is important um, for uh, a person who, uh, if they're uh, experiencing anxiety or, or depression, that medication and uh, therapy go hand in hand. They, they they work together. Now, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that every person who's in therapy should have medication, but those who uh, do need it, it works, it works hand in hand. Um, because um, you may need the medication uh, to help with, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, with serotonin levels, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and then mm-hmm. through, uh, uh, therapy, you're, you're learning specific uh, things, how to, how to deal with, with your anxiety or how to deal with, with your depression. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, 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 it's a lot. Um, yeah. So I know one thing that that really bugs me when I hear people talk about, uh, uh, you know, I have I have bipolar. Um, well, you know, it's different than, you know, kind of feeling blue uh, for a few hours and then, you know, feel, feeling happy and, and feeling, uh, you know, up. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh so are you going through manic, uh, manic phase with, with bipolar? There's a depressive stage and then there's, there's a manic stage. You know, when people uh-huh. are going through the manic stage, they have all of this energy. They can do anything. They may stay up for a day or two or, or, or three. You know, then that's, uh-huh. that's the manic phase. And then the depressive stage is when they can't get out of bed for two or three days, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and they have to be hospitalized. So uh, mm-hmm. it's different from feeling, you know, kind of sad in the morning uh, because you have to go and deal with the knucklehead boss and then feeling, uh, you know, really up um, later on that afternoon. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure okay. if that answers, answers the question or not. But No, no, it no, it did. No, it, it did. You know, and, and as I said before, you know, I'm running out of time. I have another uh, big question that I, I would like to ask. I got about three minutes left. But I felt that this is very important to talk to, um, you know, my listeners, um, you know, about because, as I said, it's so much of it, you know, going on there. Even as I said to you um, um, and my listeners earlier that there was a report um, on HuffPost, on HuffPost, and uh, they were saying that, um, you know, this about that thing sitting in the in the White House. I mean, but, you know, Reginald, this has been going on all his life. But nevertheless, um, you know, they, they're saying that a group of mental health individuals are saying this about about him. And it's mm-hmm. just so free. It's so free thrown out there. People say that about one another and things like that. And I'm like, that is so wrong. You are not a professional clinician and you have no right in, you know, saying mm-hmm. something that you know absolutely nothing about. Now, should any of our listeners, Reginald, suspect that they or their loved ones are facing, you know, these challenges that, you know, um, you know, we were discussing um, here on my show? What are the first thing or things they should do to help themselves or their loved ones through the situation? I think they should, first of all, speak with their speak with their doctor, their physician, uh, and let him and her know um, how how they are feeling uh, or how mm-hmm. they're. Um, a child, they have a child, uh, let them, let the physician, pediatrician know how, how their children are doing. 
and, uh, you know, get connected to a therapist. Uh, you can, um, uh, check with your insurance company. Uh, a lot of insurance companies, you know, cover, uh, uh, mental health therapy and counseling. Uh, local mental health organizations you can contact as, as well, uh, that can connect you with, um, uh, a therapist or, or a psychiatrist. So, so mm-hmm. it's important to take those, those first steps. Okay, fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation, Reginald. As all of my conversations I say are, are great that I have on my show because they're meaningful. Uh, we do talk politics a lot, but it needs to be talked a lot uh, about because it's, it's very important. And it's also important, I feel, to have guests, um, such as yourself, you know, on, on the show to talk about things that are, uh, that are important and personal. Uh, to individuals, because there's a lot of individuals out there who may not know uh, what to do if, you know, if they're feeling some kind of way um, and know what it is that they should do. And just to know that they are not alone um, is, you know, it's a lot of our human beings that are, um, you know, having to deal with this. And uh, as we talked about B. Smith and, um, you know, with her uh, dementia, not too long ago, mm-hmm. Reginald, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but the nevertheless, there is help that that can be had. This does not mean that it's life ending or life threatening. It's just something mm-hmm. that, you know, that we a ball that we have been tossed and it's something that we can deal with. We do not you do not have to. It's not a life ender or, or anything like that. So I thank you for your time and your and your professionalism. Um, in, you know, in discussing this more in, in depth, you know, about, about mental illness. And we're going to talk about this some more, um, you know, this year as, you know, as, as time goes, goes forward. Okay. Well, once again, thank you for tuning in to my show. And, um, I will be back in, uh, two weeks. Um, and, uh, I will be back, uh, with, with, um, Rachel and we will be having, a guest on on my show, and the, hopefully the guest on my show will be my beautiful granddaughter Tierra Alexis Daniel. I want to give a shout out to her for being so great. Um, she finished um, her coursework in esthetician. That's just part of it that she's doing because her her ultimate goal is to be a doctor of esthetician, and also to give a shout out to my grandson um, uh, Paris Martin for being an honor society member. Okay. Love them dearly. Thank you very much for listening to me. Everyone out there, be safe. Be kind to yourself. That's where it starts. And then give it to one and uh, to others out there in the street, no matter what. This is Teresa E. Keeves. Make it a great day.